0: If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or just keep walking? Of course, you'd take the money. So, why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why you should go to My Bookie. Fast, easy, and they pay when you win. What does Mr. X always say? Winning is nice, getting paid, even nicer. Let's face it, where you're betting online is just as important as who you're betting on. Listen, I wouldn't put my name attached to these guys if they weren't good and if people didn't get paid. Do the smart thing and get with my bookie. Have an account there just in case. You probably already have an account somewhere else. That's fine. Who doesn't have multiple accounts? Have an account with my bookie. Take advantage of their bonuses. Check out all the other things you can do with my bookie. all the other ways you can bet and the other games they have there, and have fun with it, okay? Did you know you can bet on games after kickoff? Yes, you can. Who doesn't want to fire in a second-half bet to make up for your stupid idea on the first half? If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little, win a lot, try parlays. If all your picks come through, multiply your winnings. It's that simple. Well, it's not that simple, but still. Fire in some parlays, man. It's football season. Have fun. Join now, and MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's right, double your first deposit. Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo Echo, to activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE. Go to MyBookie.ag today. You play. You win. You do get paid. Today on the Zabecast, Monday Night Football has ditched the Boogermobile, Jason Witten, and yet they still can't stop doing dumb shit. Andy Poland joins me. We talk skins collapse, brutally honest Jay, Antonio Brown, and more. All that plus another stain on Philly fans' long list of disgraces. Your bonus 40 minutes of Gloriously Uncensored Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! (laughs) Here we go! Tuesday, September 10th, 2019. Thank you for downloading. Just an update, there is no yearly subscription option yet for the ZabeCast. We are working on that as we speak. So for those who have asked, I apologize that I did not deliver when I said I would. Uh, It is in the works and we're going to get to it here hopefully shortly and I'll let everybody know once that is done. Before we get to Andy tonight, uh, this story caught my eye. Showgirl videos closure marks end of an era for peep shows in Las Vegas. Showgirl Video, which also included an adult bookstore, operated just north of Charleston Boulevard in Vegas for nearly 40 years and eventually became the area's lone peep show. You may not even know what this is. Peep shows are establishments in which dancers, partially nude, usually topless, but not bottomless, would perform behind a window, which opened when a patron placed a dollar into a machine for tips. The window would, you know, the the blind would go up, and then you'd be able to see the girl behind the glass doing a little dance. Uh, Apparently, uh, the, the closure marked the end of an era, as Showgirl Video was believed to be the last operating peep show In Las Vegas. In 92, the city passed an ordinance barring sexually oriented businesses for along Las Vegas Boulevard, but the showgirl video was grandfathered under code and continued doing business. Peep shows or peep boxes trace back to ancient times, according to the curators at the Erotic Heritage Heritage Museum in Vegas. Ooh, there's a place we can go in spring. The first peep shows would have a showman who would entertain spectators. Performances were viewed through a drilled hole in a box, which enclosed a nude girl or even two girls engaging in erotic sex acts. More contemporary peep shows featured both video and live performances of sex acts in the St. James Encyclopedia of Pop Culture. John Donlon Griffin wrote that patrons would typically feed money into a slot, before getting to view the performances. Well, 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 pour one out for the old Vegas peep show as a 40-year classic of the bygone era has finally bit the dust. All right, let's see what Andy Poland's up to tonight. Watching the doubleheader. Hello. No Hello. Have I interrupted your enjoyment of Joe Tessator?
1: You know, I really miss Jason Witten.
0: Said, <laughs> said nobody on the face <laughs> of the earth, right?
1: Absolutely. That is the greatest example of addition by subtraction. Oh, my God.
0: I've not had a chance to listen, and I didn't take any critical listens during the preseason. But so far, you notice it's better without him? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, okay. He, he,
1: yeah, he was incredibly stiff. I mean, they, these guys are average. There's nothing special about him. But, you know, at least they know how to broadcast the game, and that's all we want here.
0: Yeah, where did uh, where do you stand on Tessitore? I forgot to ask.
1: Yeah, we talked about it last year. I think he's fine. I don't think he's great. But, you know, to me, he doesn't bother me.
0: Yeah, he drives Scott up a wall. I know. Scott I hates know. him. But- it's yeah, funny, though. You yeah. know, you, you you know Scott, very well as I do from years and years of working together. You yep. guys are mishpukas, as we like to say. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Am I using are. that right, by
1: the way? Well, mishpukah means family, so there'd have to yeah. be some, uh, no, some intermarriage right. in there. But, uh, Can't yeah. you
0: use mishpukah when they're not really family to say he's as yeah. close as family?
1: I would say, yeah. Okay,
0: yeah. Wow. Anyway. Uh, you know, Scott, what I love is that there are some things that get Scott riled up because normally he's so very even keel, you know? He is,
1: yes, yep, yep. So yep, it's yep. so even
0: when he hates something, I kind of like the hate. It means that there's that <laughs> fire burning inside of him.
1: <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Of course, well, he, you know, they, yeah. they got the second crew coming up late. I won't be up watching this, but uh, the second crew, from from what I saw, uh, Lewis Riddick, Steve Levy, And somebody else, I mean, the B crew is interchangeable with the A crew here, which really kind of flies in the face of what Monday Night Football was all about when it was created 50 years ago. These were rock stars, you know, Dandy, Don, and Frank, and Howard, and these guys are just broadcasters. They're just guys who do the game.
0: Howard Cosell, Andy, is rolling over in his (laughs) grave. Who are these C-level cable personalities <laughs> trying to carry a national broadcast? It's a disgrace. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, yeah, I remember the first one, uh, him interviewing uh, uh, Joe Namath down on the field when they played Cleveland. And, uh, you know, nobody really knew what to make of this guy. He wasn't well-known. And uh, he became an institution and launched what is uh, an American – Uh, iconic broadcast. I mean, there's there's really, for a while, there was really nothing like Monday Night Football. Now it just sort of blends in with all the other games, you know?
0: Yeah, I'm going to tell you some of my first memories, and you're 10 years older, so you can melt yours in as well. I remember a Monday Night game on Halloween night. It was the Redskins and the Chargers in San Diego. This would have been probably 19... 78, 79, something like that. I want to say I was 10 or 11 years old. Maybe a little bit older, but I just, as a kid, you you remember how special Monday Night Football was. Right. And you were like, I can't wait for the game to start and be up for it, and I'm going to be in front of my TV and watching it. It really was special. And then, obviously, the wash of all the games that came as the televised era grew and grew and grew and grew made it less and less important. What was your first memory of Monday Night Football?
1: Well, I mean, like I said, I, I did watch the first game. So you did? Seen what year? Oh, yeah. It was 1970. Uh, and it was it wow. was Cosell – on the field, interviewing Joe Namath before it started. That's kind of how it launched. There wasn't this big elaborate, you know, production and all that. And uh, and then you know you knew who Don Meredith was. He was a well-known quarterback, but he you know he'd never done any broadcasting. And it wasn't long before they realized that they had struck gold with this duo. That their chemistry was just unbelievable and and who would have thought you know this bombastic jewish lawyer from new york and this countryside football player and and the back and forth was was great and i don't know if you remember this but the first year wasn't frank gifford it was keith jackson and keith jackson was eh, he didn't really blend in very well with them it, did, it didn't really work and then uh, the second year they were able to get gifford out of his contract with cbs and he came on, and uh, boy, when that thing took off, it really took off. It was huge.
0: Didn't Howard really dislike Meredith and vice versa?
1: I think they kind of liked each other. I think the guy that, that Cosell didn't like was Gifford.
0: and Because he, he <laughs> of the jacocracy. I railed against it. <laughs> so what? He played the game. Can he put together a sentence?
1: Now, Gosell, you know, he he acted like you know he came through the ranks as a broadcaster. Well, I, he he was a lawyer from New York, and uh, I read the biography that was done on him uh, several years ago, and he um, he really wanted to be in broadcasting, so he had a little league baseball show on the weekends on WABC. And he just managed to talk his way into things. And, and they said one of the great stories when was that he would ride the train into Manhattan from New Jersey for his job. And Gifford, like a lot of football players at the time, they didn't make enough money playing football during the season. They had off-season jobs. And Gifford, I believe, sold insurance and would ride the train into the city with Cosell. And Cosell would do his thing while they were riding the train. There's the yipper, number 16, riding into the city for his day day job. (laughs) There he is, the golden boy. You know, and so he was kind of preparing for this, the whole time. But, you know, the, the other thing about Monday Night Football, which, which is inconceivable to people now with the 24 hour day highlight shows, but you waited all day to see if your team's game would be shown on the halftime highlights, which oh, lasted, yeah. you know, two, three minutes. Uh, Cosell would narrate, you know, four or five plays from each Joe game. Joe
0: Washington, look at the explosive running and the moves it, on him.
1: Right. Right, and, and then if, if your team wasn't on, you would say, well, Cosell hates them. No wonder they didn't get on. Well, I don't think Cosell had any say on any of that. He just, you know, would narrate what was given to him.
0: Uh, the Redskins are on Monday Night Football, the only appearance this year, coming up against the Bears in mm-hmm. week, what, three, I believe? Yep. And the record for the Redskins on Monday Night Football is five and twenty one this century.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't doubt it. I mean they uh you know there's been a few memorable games, the uh the Monday night miracle in Dallas, but uh their their record at prime time, especially at home, is abysmal. It's terrible.
0: Yeah. And uh I believe at home they're even worse. I, I don't know the number, but all I know is mm. I would love to decline any and all Monday night appearances until things improve. Which brings us, Andy to the Redskins, what'd you make of the second half meltdown in Philadelphia?
1: Well, I mean, uh, you know, how, how can you let a team just simply run it down your throats like that um, with virtually no pass rush? Uh, is it possible they looked at the first half and they said, eh, we're good? Philadelphia's not going to do anything different. We've stopped them. I mean, wasn't there any kind right. of adjustment made uh, that, that you know, and, and I don't know, you know, as far as Greg Minuski goes, I don't know if he's any good or not, but I do know that they brought in Greg Williams, Steve Wilkes, and Todd Bowles in the off season. talked to all three of them. Didn't hire him, but it was well-known publicly that they were talking to these guys, and they go, eh, we'll just stick with Minoski or – Maybe they weren't able to hire any of them. I was going to say,
0: do we know if any of those men were offered the job and did they turn us down or did we kick the tires and say no?
1: I have no idea, but the, the fact that it's known that those guys were talking to them and you know, the excuse they gave, well, we just like to get different ideas from different people. Why the hell is Todd Bowles sharing information with the Redskins? Why is Greg Williams sharing information with the Redskins? I don't, I don't understand that, you know. I and agree. Um, You know, and so uh, I, I can see a scenario if, if they get blown up by Dallas, which you got to believe is, is going to happen based on the way the Cowboys looked against the Giants yesterday, that you're going to see big fat Rob Ryan calling the defensive plays.
0: no. Cool way.
1: Oh, We're going to let yeah. our
0: inside linebackers coach who looks like he stole a beach ball from a shopping, <laughs> se- you know, from a Kmart yeah. and walked yeah. out the front door. This <laughs> fucking loser. Bad defensive <laughs> yeah. coordinator. He's going to be our D coordinator. You think he'll be our D coordinator by the end of the year?
1: I wouldn't be shocked. I would yeah. bet.
0: I would bet Minuski gets fired first. By the way, do you like Jay basically throwing Minuski under the bus by saying, well, one of the broken up play or one of the broken coverages was the call got in late.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he also said the personnel is better than the way the defense played. <laughs> That's throwing Minoski under the bus, this far is as far as I'm concerned.
0: ai think we're entering a period of brutally honest Jay in which we're going to see some spectacular truths come tumbling out of his mouth in yeah. what I think he realizes is a suicide mission and his last ride as head coach.
1: Well, he, he said, remember when he was asked about Hard Knocks? This goes back three or four months, where he said, you know, they said, well, we'll do it next year. Yeah. I mean, he wanted his brother to do it. And they said, well, if you make the playoffs, uh, you'll be able to turn it down. And he said, if you don't make the playoffs, I'm not going to be here anyway. So he knows, and he knows this is not a playoff team. And so, yeah, he's, he's going out. And I think they're, they're messing with him along the way. That's why I think it's quite possible that he won't have any say. They'll just fire Minuski and they'll make Rob Ryan the defensive coordinator. The same way that he he reportedly didn't want to keep Adrian Peterson. But the front office overruled him, and he's still here.
0: Which brings us to that point. What would you think of him being a healthy scratch in a game where last year he had a 90-yard run for a touchdown?
1: Understood, but I, I didn't have a problem with it. And these players who who are, you know, remember when LeVar Arrington was here and said that he wanted to be involved in the draft and free agency? Oh, yeah. This, this, is, yeah, this is what these players who haven't won anything, haven't won Bupkus, they're saying that that they're upset that he wasn't activated? Hey, coach's decision. That's, right. that's the way it goes. You, you haven't earned any right to make those calls. That's the coach who makes the calls.
0: But should Jay have been so smartassy afterwards by saying, Yeah, sure, if I find a game where we can run it out of the I formation fifty five times, I'll bring him up.
1: Yeah, well I think that that tells you all you need to know about whether or not they wanted to keep him he wanted to keep him on the roster. Right? I mean no, it why do- else would he say that?
0: It does, but why does he say this shit? Why is no he idea. this way? Like Michael Scott once said to Toby on the office, Why are you the way you are? why doesn't he understand saying less is more that you don't have to ever mop shit up because like the speculation was, Oh snap, Adrian's going to want to trade now, or he's going to get cut. And then you're like, here's one problem. And Oh, wait a minute. Guys is now hurt in his other knee and he'll be out a couple weeks. We need Peterson. It's sort of like saying, Oh my God, the boat's on fire and then going, Oh, wait a minute. Boat's sinking. Problem solved. Yeah. Right. <laughs> problem yeah. one is solved because we got a bigger problem.
1: Yeah, now he's very complimentary of Peterson. You know, he's a great player, glad we have him on the roster. You know, it's 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 just a mess. And, you know, Peterson wasn't even supposed to be here last year. If Geis hadn't gotten hurt in the first preseason game last year, Peterson never would have showed up.
0: That's right, because Peterson wasn't on the roster to start. Right. The year last season, or what? And, no. and, and also wasn't he a late camp invite? Yes, he right. was. He, but he after was. Geist got hurt, but he, but he it was, was still in August. In. It was in August, though. Yeah. It was not in September. Yeah, Just it was the it. first
1: preseason game, right. and I, I remember that, that Doug Williams said, "Oh, I was going to get in trouble if uh, I didn't want anybody to know they brought him in. They were they were really angry I brought him right.
0: in." Right, and Doug was like saying, "I went rogue by bringing him in," and I'm like, yeah. I thought you were in charge of the personnel, man." <laughs> right. So you know who's minding the
1: store here, and, and you know, and, and, and the one thing though that we haven't seen with with star players is Snyder getting chummy with Peterson. Have we seen Snyder and Peterson no. hanging out in Vegas together? No,
0: no. I think I think Snyder's worried Peterson's going to ask him for a loan. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, well. he's got a lot of past debts, a <laughs> lot of lawsuits asking for money. So Get the net, line. <laughs> right? So the net, net in terms of your Redskins outlook, now that we've been given one tiny piece of data, which is going to change week to week, is better or worse? Because they did jump out to that shocking 17 nothing lead.
1: Yes. Well, I think the, the, the one good takeaway from the game is they have a wide receiver. They finally drafted a wide receiver who could play. I think McLaurin's going to be a good player. They have... An adequate quarterback. I don't think he's great, but he's okay. He's 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 fine. Uh, and I think that the def- the offensive line, which you know, had too many penalties, still is is okay. And I think Trent Williams is going to come back. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up on Wednesday and plays on Sunday against Dallas. So uh, I, I think you know some of those things that they worried about. Are going to be okay. The the wide receivers, the young ones, they look okay. The uh, the kid from SMU, yeah, uh, Trey
0: passes, Quinn,
1: Trey Quinn. So you know they, they they're they're okay. But they're that's why I said going into the season, I think they're a seven win team. That's what they are. That's so what they've been.
0: You're not moving that up or down based on a the injuries because remember you know Jordan Reed is supposed to play. He didn't play. That was the three-week-ago forecast. This could be a seven-week headache he's got. And then who knows how he's going to get injured going forward. We don't know about Geis being out. I'm saying at least two weeks, maybe three or four. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's going to be more more injuries piling up, and John Allen got a sprained knee. Obviously, the defense was not as good. I would tick down the win total by a half a win after what happened in week one.
1: Mm -hmm. Because they won't catch
0: catch teams flat-footed like they did the Eagles anymore. And if you can't win a seventeen nothing game, I mean, what Williams are you going to win?
1: I know, I know. You know, but but as you All often right. say, it's a kaleidoscope league, I and know. what you see one week doesn't necessarily translate to the to the next. And, and and the one thing about Jay is, you know, teams that win two or three games they implode. Jay's teams don't implode. They they're not very good, but the the total meltdown which we saw in Shanahan's last year. That doesn't happen with
0: him. Right. But if Jay keeps on spewing truth, the likes of which we don't usually hear from coaches, who knows how the locker room will react. So just like every week is different, every year is different as well. So we'll see. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or just keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why you should go to my Bookie. Fast, easy, and they pay when you win. What does Mr. X always say? Winning is nice, getting paid, even nicer. Let's face it, where you're betting online is just as important as who you're betting on. Listen, I wouldn't put my name attached to these guys if they weren't good and if people didn't get paid. Do the smart thing and get with my bookie. Have an account there just in case. You probably already have an account somewhere else. That's fine. Who doesn't have multiple accounts? Have an account with my bookie. Take advantage of their bonuses. Check out all the other things you can do with my bookie. all the other ways you can bet and the other games they have there, and have fun with it, okay? Did you know you can bet on games after kickoff? Yes, you can. Who doesn't want to fire in a second-half bet to make up for your stupid idea on the first half? If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little, win a lot, try parlays. If all your picks come through, multiply your winnings. It's that simple. Well, it's not that simple, but still. Fire in some parlays, man. It's football season. Have fun. Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right, double your first deposit. Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo Echo, to activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE. Go to mybookie.ag today. You play. You win. You do get paid.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Two words. Antonio Brown, go.
1: (laughs) Oi. You know. The, the, the latest that came out today, and, and this guy looks like the biggest bozo in all of this, even, even as much of a bozo as Antonio Brown, is John Gruden, yeah. who apparently, according to the guy who put together the video that, that some said was the last straw, Gruden signed off on it. He was, he was told about Allegedly. it. Allegedly. Yeah. Well, no, but the, the guy who produced I the hear video. It,
0: I know, but I want to hear it from Gruden.
1: All right, but but in in Gruden's news conference, don't you think he would have said, "Look, we took this as far as it could go, but this video was the last thing, and we just couldn't go any further than that." Did he say he that?
0: Didn't. No, he would he have didn't. said that. Right, he didn't say. Yeah. That. Okay. All right. right let's and, assume and, uh, that he did sign off on it. Yeah. This this is really crushing John Gruden's legacy, given the fact that the guy has won a Super Bowl. You know, he's no right. sloppy.
1: Right, right, right. But he's another guy who sat out a long time and came back to an NFL that's different. And you can put Joe Gibbs in that category, too. Now, Gibbs did well relative to everybody else's coach for Dan Snyder, but the Joe Gibbs who came back in 2004 – He came back to an NFL that was foreign to him from the one he left in 1992. You know, it just just was different. I think the same thing with, with John Gruden. So he starts buying into this idea of, oh, he's going to trade superstars for draft picks, but, oh, he can get somebody who's a great player for a third and a fifth and oh, I'm John Gruden. Yeah. I can handle him. Well, he couldn't. And and this guy is is going to the only place he can go. And I'm sure he's got a contract. That any shenanigans, he's out. And by the way, they look like they're going to be okay with or without him. It's well. Pittsburgh, thirty to three. So uh, you know the beaches. I mean, it, it's just a, a, an amazing league. In that it's it's a it really I'm even too young for this, but it appears to be a league. That's like the NBA was in the 60s with the Celtics. There was the Celtics and everybody else. And it seems like there's the Patriots and everybody else, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it does. Is the whole Antonio Brown saga all wrapped up, all its tentacles, all its loose ends, is it good for the league, bad for the league, or neutral because the league always wins?
1: Yeah, I think it's neutral for the league. I mean, there's just so much stuff going on, not just with him, but the entire league, which you would say, oh, this is ridiculous. They can't let this happen. And it does. I mean, Odell Beckham playing a game, wearing a watch that costs
0: $250,000. Absurd. I mean, does
1: it make any sense to you?
0: No, it's insane. You mentioned about how Frank Gifford had a day job back in the day. Yeah, You know, and, and this is how far we've come. I, I had a theory. I trotted out yesterday here on the Zabe Cast. I said, we are out of whack with how both owners and players view money. And that used to be right. the common language. So that contracts that were written in a way like, well, he won't do this because then he'll just say goodbye to $14 million. Right. That used to never happen. There used to be some common sense amongst players that they would never do something insanely financially reckless because what Le'Veon Bell did last year – was stupid. He burned 14 million. What uh, Antonio Brown did was burn 21 million of guaranteed money. It used to be contracts were written with the understanding of, hey, we're owners, we're billionaires, we know money, and you're football players, you're millionaires, you know money too, even though you're at a lesser level. Now the players are acting more insanely irresponsible, and so the very fabric of who can we sign and can we count on them being here is being ripped.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think I think some of them look to the NBA and look to Kevin Durant and go, "Well, right. oh, Durant walked away, so can I." And but the money in the leagues is so different. I mean, $30 million in the NBA is like a mid-level player contract. It's 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 nothing. I know. And, and 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 I also read today that that Brown has got a, an extension in New England next year for $20 million. I'm Assuming he keeps himself, you yeah. know, out of trouble, and and he gets it, so he, he'll get the twenty million next year. And he got what nine and a half this is year. It twenty so guaranteed. Pretty
0: close.
1: This is guaranteed this year. I think. The, no, no. The 9 million. I didn't.
0: I didn't see what was backstopping after the nine million this year for the Pats. You're saying there's yeah. another twenty million waiting
1: next year if if he's okay. on the roster at the beginning of the year but but the point is if he collects all that well there's the 30 million he walked away from
0: right, right. The, well it's 30 million over 3 years 9 million this year and then right. 20 million over the next 2 right
1: i thought it was for next year but i okay. I, I could be wrong all right but, so but,
0: so in other words he'd be made whole but yeah. over the cost of a year whereas right. if he had played in Oakland he makes 30 million this year and then he can start making more millions next year. So that's the one thing that these guys never understand. Time is money. Mm -hmm. And so you flush a year, it's like Le'Veon Bell. Oh, you got a contract with the Jets. Great. You missed a year, and you let $14 million float down the river. It's crazy. And And then the watch, I mean, wearing a watch worth that much money, that's insane unto itself.
1: Right, right. I mean, What is a, a fan base in Cleveland... Where, where it's a working-class city, where, where people are not making six-figure salaries, and he's got six figures on his wrist in a football game? Yeah. Eh, but but nobody seems to mind.
0: Well, I mean, he, they don't care as long know. as he catches passes and scores touchdowns, yeah, which he yeah. didn't do enough of. And the Browns got one of the ultimate opening week smackdowns for being way too cocky in the offseason, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, boy, they are—they were, were the most overhyped. Six didn't they win six last year? Maybe Seven. Five, one. Seven. Seven. Yeah. Okay. Most overhyped team I've—I've I've, I've ever seen, and and you know Baker Mayfield is good, but I think you know there's this. There's this feeling that oh they they did everything right because they really sucked for a long time and now the process is working and they're ready to hit yeah. the ground running. Well, they really weren't.
0: <laughs> that said that said, um you had yesterday Lamar Jackson or by the well yeah. sorry. That said it is a kaleidoscope league, so the Browns may actually look awesome next week. Let's hold our horses on that. Lamar Jackson, five touchdown passes in limited play, and then RG three comes in, and not only throws a touchdown pass, but goes six for six. This to me is the ultimate indictment of how awful the Dolphins are.
1: I agree, and and the league allowed this to happen. And this this latest report from Mike Florio that players are asking their agents to yes. get them out of there. Um, you know, uh, they, they, now they've got the 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 assistant. Uh, the former assistant from the Patriots, now their head coach.
0: Brian Flores. And,
1: Flores, yeah. And uh, and so he's he may be just, you know, he may just be cannon fodder, too. They may blow him out next year, too, when they bring don't in somebody know. else.
0: I see. This is the – I think they're tanking right. But the mm. problem with extreme tanking in the NFL is that it can become anarchy in the locker room if everybody wants the hell out.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we've seen over the past – 10 years, I believe, two teams go 0-16 after we've never had that. What if this becomes sort of an epidemic in that, you know, oh, you just take an it 0-16. It's okay. And that that could be a problem for the league, or like we've just been talking about, maybe not. Maybe the fan base goes, yeah, we really sucked this year, but yeah. we're going to get to a Tango Villaloa and we're going to be good.
0: By the way, on Lamar Jackson, there's a lot of people on the internet now collecting receipts from guys who said they didn't think he'd be a good quarterback or maybe he should play another position. And I just want to use you to remind everybody that we sat there in front of Desmond Howard at the (laughs) Army-Navy radio row and asked him directly about Lamar Jackson. And what did he say? Wide receiver. And we expressed surprise, right? Yeah. Yeah, And without batting an eye, Desmond Howard said, Wide receiver. And so, you know, and there's always racial undertones, which is unfortunate, you know, because there's this Mm -hmm. perception among some black writers that there's still a stigma against black quarterbacks. That's demonstrably untrue by how many black quarterbacks have been drafted one slash one. And they come in all shapes and sizes. Some of them run, some of them not so much. And some are good and some suck. I mean, Jameis Winston threw three picks, including two pick sixes. He -hmm. is on his way to being a complete bust as a one slash one. Anyone going to ride the horse of, oh, my God, the NFL is still so racist. They won't take a guy one one. Everyone knew Jameis Winston had a turnover problem in college.
1: Oh, so. no, turnover and, and off the field issues, which yes. you know, which which may be a thing. Yeah, I mean, the, the next generation, I was thinking about this, you know, here we are, we're watching Drew Brees tonight and we watched Tom Brady last night. Eventually those guys will leave. The next generation, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, I mean, the the best quarterbacks could be black for the next, you know, ten, twelve years. Yeah.
0: I don't think there's any stigma in taking a black quarterback. I think it literally is a guessing game of Can this running quarterback translate to Sundays? And that's an experiment that is going to vary from guy to guy, depending on who it is. Did
1: did you watch, and I only followed the Kyler Murray channel? Kyler Murray, I'm watching what's happening in the first half, and, and I think we talked about this. You see him, not just on the football field, but off the football field. He looks like your son. I mean, he is tiny. tiny, and so at the beginning of the game, he's not doing anything, and you go, okay, well, that's it, Cliff Kingsbury, the shrimpy quarterback, boom, boom, it's over, and then I watched, because every other game was completed, so the Red Zone channels stayed with it the whole time, yeah. what he did in the fourth quarter and into overtime, he looked terrific, he Yeah, he
0: really looked great. He did, and that's and that's how it's going to be, kaleidoscope league, not just week to week, but quarter to quarter. Uh, sometimes yeah. around the league. All right, let's let's uh, let's go on campus, Andy. I've got to tell you, I forgot to send you a picture. I was on the University of Wisconsin's campus on Saturday. Oh, isn't
1: that great? Isn't that great? first
0: time ever uh, to see uh, Camp Randall and everything else. Your daughter went mm-hmm. to Wisconsin, loved it, right?
1: Yep, yep. I don't think she missed the football game. She <laughs> loved that. And, the whole uh,
0: experience, the whole setting was great. Did you go? How many games did you go to football games?
1: I only went to one. Okay. It was a six six o'clock game against Northern Illinois. I didn't go to any Big Ten games there. But the what time of the year? September. It, yeah, it was right at the beginning of the year. So but weather the, was the good. Town, the town takes over yeah. uh, the whole atmosphere that day. It was really cool.
0: It's a sea of red. It was awesome, and yeah. uh, team's looking pretty good this year. So I thought of you when I was out there uh, on yeah. Saturday. While we're on college, two things. First of all, the Terps under Mike Loxley are off to a great start.
1: Unbelievable. I watched both games. Um, they've got Josh Jackson. That's the best quarterback they've had maybe since Sean Hill. Uh, that was the. Uh, He's a that transfer, was right? Y- yeah. Sean Hill was also a junior college transfer. He had been there the year before, before Ralph Region got there, but had been hurt part of the year. And when he and Fregen got together in 2001, the Maryland football program had been dead for like 20 years, not since Boomer and really had it been, you know, that very good. And, and uh, Jackson and
0: he, comes by way of where?
1: He was Virginia Tech. Got it. Um, but he he looks like the real thing. And and Loxley has brought the Alabama offense with him. Now, obviously, they don't have all the players to do it. But they're making big play after big play after big play. They did it the first week against Howard, and you go, oh, okay, it's Howard. Syracuse was ranked 21st in the country. You know, They're a legit team, Yeah, and they just ran over them.
0: And he knows how to recruit, too. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, he he not only had the recruits plus the transfers he got this year, but he had been there like three or four years ago, so a lot of the guys who were the older players on the team, he had recruited them, too. He got
0: away, and they reeled him back in. So nobody is missing the D.J. Durkin era, and nobody is missing the Randy Edsel era. This will end on today, and we'll give it a good whomping. I won't rush you. I'll let you take your time. Somebody tweeted me saying, look at this story about how Randy Edsel, now coaching where? Connecticut. He's still at UConn. Okay. He went back.
1: After after Maryland fired him, he went back.
0: Okay, right. So Randy Edsel – Got a bonus in losing yesterday for a variety of little knickknack paddywhack things like being the first team to score and mm-hmm. leading after one quarter. It was like two grand here, four grand there. Ridiculous these bonuses! What a yeah, turd yeah. he is, Randy well, Edsel. He, he
1: he now he had built the program up. Um, he had been there like 10 years and they made the transition from like what used to be one double a to the big one a and he had done fairly well and he had gotten them to the championship of the big east when the big east was still a football conference and they had an automatic bid to the fiesta bowl now they only won eight games i think they were like eight and three but they were the best team in the big east and they got their butt swamped by somebody in the Fiesta Bowl, like an Oklahoma type of team, right? And and uh, and so uh, he he coaches the game, doesn't fly home with the team, flies to Maryland, and he tells Kevin Anderson, who has turned out to be nothing and is now yeah. no longer the athletic director at Maryland, but he tells him, "Yeah, this is my dream job." Now they were reportedly going to try and hire Mike Leach, and yeah. they were. Co- there were, there were two lawsuits going on, one of them with Craig James's kid who falsely accused him of locking him in a closet or some nonsense like that. And the other one was with ESPN. And so Maryland thought he was too hot to handle. And here comes Randy Etzel, who leaves his team in a lurch, and, uh, lets them know by email that he's leaving, that Maryland is his dream job. When so they go, huh? Okay. No,
0: well, really? <laughs> wow, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll give you the job. So he comes in and he was he was had a good reputation at Connecticut and all that. But it turned out he was a total jack off. And he 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 took over a team that Ralph Freeschen had coached to ten wins. And I think he won two games his first year. And he blamed a lot of the losing on the atmosphere that Ralph had created. He was throwing Ralph under the bus left and right. And so at the end of the season, and he had taken a beating in the media, a lot of people had really ripped him, Yep. and there was a, f- a friend of mine who was working at the Maryland program at the time, and he said, they want to get together some media people to meet with Randy to see how he can smooth things out with the media, and they want you to know if you can come to this. So I said, sure. So the meeting is scheduled like three different times, each time it gets canceled, and I go, okay, fine. And then one day, Steve Solomon, who is our producer, says, oh, we've got Randy Etzel scheduled. So I said, well, I think I'll ask Etzel what I was going to ask him if I met with him in private. And I said, you know, Coach, there are many people who uh, feel like you should not – Maintain your job. You should not hold on to your job. How do you feel about people who say that? And he gave us the, old well, you yeah, know, everybody's entitled answer. to his opinion. Yeah, it's entitled to his opinion. And then they complained to our then general manager that I had ambushed him. Well, you know, I mean, how many times are you going to cancel a meeting with the media? And and then, he, you know, he, he did manage to have some success. He finally beat Penn State. He went to a couple of bowl games. But he was fired in midseason. And when you get fired in midseason, he was only two and four, not like he was 0 and six. He was two and four, and they got rid of him, meaning that they couldn't stand him anymore. They couldn't wait to get rid of him.
0: Yeah, he he really is a jack wagon. He got six grand in bonuses, reports Steve Berkowitz, from their loss, loss to Illinois. Two grand yeah. apiece from UConn scoring first and then forcing at least two turnovers, and then also for having better red zone scoring efficiency, he's up to thirty-two grand in bonuses so far in the young season. Somebody on the guy on Twitter Ken who told us to talk about this, he said, uh, "Discuss this prop bet contract." <laughs>
1: yeah, that's what it is. It is it's a fucking I mean, prop sheet. <laughs> Who comes up with this? And by the way, since he's come back to Connecticut, this is his third year there. He's five and twenty-one. He went one and eleven last five
0: year. Five and twenty-one. How'd they win five, Andy? Uh, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for knowing that line. Hey, real quick <laughs> update from tonight's ESPN game. This is incredible. Adam Schefter, Andy, just reported that ESPN has retreated from its first from its down and distance graphic in the lower right corner. Because it was backgrounded in yellow and it was popping up after every play, which we as viewers are conditioned to associate with a flag. Yeah. It's an unprecedented move, and people on Twitter are blowing up ESPN. ESPN Drunk on Twitter says, we don't need the Hyundai halftime show. We don't need the stupid yellow down and distance box. We don't need Booger's stupid AF cart. We don't need Jason (laughs) Witten's fake hair. Anything I'm missing about Monday Night Football
1: I did notice that. I did see the yellow, and I'm thinking, where's the flag? It and makes then- you
0: wonder, Andy. Where are the people on the broadcast who watch football and are willing to speak up to go, "Uh, I don't know, boss. That yellow is not a good sign.
1: Yeah. They, they have. This is a broadcast that ESPN, I believe, pays $100 million per game
0: to it's, do. It's a billion per year plus. A billion plus yes. per year. So 17 games, $100 million per and they're still fucking it up. Andy, mm-hmm. I'm out of time for today. Thank you as always. I will see you next week, brother. Very good, Zay. Talk right, to you. there you go. It's unreal. It really is when it comes to uh, ESPN. It's like you wonder, hey, does anyone watch The product, does anyone say, okay, how does this graphic package look? It's like they must have handed off the graphic assignment saying, here, design the graphics for this year's broadcast to somebody who's never seen football who never thinks, oh, yeah, what color should I make the background of this box? So they uh, retreated mid-game. Pretty amazing. Okay, I'm going to end on this today. And I hate the expression, you do you. It's so condescending. But in this case, I have to use it. So Tim Scott, NBA player, formerly of the Washington Wizards, now plays for the Sixers, who's from the D.C. area, said on Twitter, he warned in advance that he was going to come fly colors and wear his Sean Taylor number 21 jersey to the Eagles game. He rolls up on a tailgate at the Eagles game that has a full-on coffin with a Sean Taylor jersey draped over top of it. Tim Scott immediately goes up to try to take the shirt off of the coffin. A fight ensues. Several Drunken Eagle fans come take a run at him. No one was seriously hurt. And Philly fans sometimes dare to complain that their reputation is undeserved. You're earning your reputation every day and every time shit like this happens. If you think this is the way to roll, if you think your karma is so clean that you're willing to tempt the gods by doing that, you do you. If that's who you are. If you think any Redskin fans are going to roll out a Jerome Brown coffin, I hope and pray they don't. People could do that for just about every NFL team. So put that one in the big book of Philly fan incidents and things over the years that the rest of us will say oh yeah well, we remember that one too and I know for all my good Philly fans out there and I have many who listen to the Zabe cast you know I love you guys I know you're sensible I <laughs> I my was my best friend in radio Scott Lynn. Hey, wait a minute. I thought Andy was your best friend. I thought uh, Sally was your best friend. I thought so-and-so. Was... No, uh, one of my best friends in life. And my colleague, Scott Lynn, is a Philly fan, and he is absolutely sensible, salt of the earth. Passionate, but still not an idiot. That's something else. So... There you go. That will do it for me today. Thank you for listening. As always, appreciate the feedback. Send it to me, Zabe, at yahoo.com. Tell a couple friends. Rate and review. That always helps. Subscribe for Fridays if you want football five ways Friday. I do appreciate it. Have a good Tuesday, and we will see you next time.